you know, we have a, a special day because I don't want to mess it up, but that's fancy. Is because of the opportunity we get together to do something. In a lot of places, people don't have that opportunity. But we do. And so what's interesting is that when we live in a place where we have the opportunity for God to be sovereign and reign, sometimes we, like Robbie said, do we really believe that? Do we really know that He is in control of all things? Think about it. We have this opportunity to know that He said best, in quoting 1 Corinthians 15, O grave, where's your victory? O death, where's your what? Sting. Now, why is that? Because it shows that God is sovereign over death. And Christians get to celebrate, even in the midst of death, we get to celebrate that it is not the end, that there's, there's a victory language still getting ready to happen. Think about the power of God in that. That when God is in control, when we live in a place where God's in control, we, we actually can do things. We, we don't even care what people think. But what happens is there's this opportunity we have to live like that, that God is totally sovereign. But because of sin, when sin came in, all of a sudden when it does it, reminds us from God being sovereign. Think about what Eve did when Eve looked at the tree of knowledge of good and evil. She saw that it was good. She saw that the fruit was good. But she said, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to trust in the sovereignty of God. I'm going to trust in the thought of myself. And so she advocated and abated. And she said, I'm going to do exactly what I want to do. And so now the sovereignty was broken. No longer was God in control of her life. She was in control of her life. And that was then transferred into Adam. You see that, that he does the same thing. So sovereignty was broken. So now we look around and we're like, okay, when bad things happen, okay, God, where are you? Like uh, when sickness and disease happen, oh, God, where are you? When, when people say bad things to us, where are you? When things don't go right in a relationship, oh, God, where are you? Like, where are you? That's the language. Like, where's the sovereignty of God? Step in, step in, step in. You know, and this, all of a sudden we realize there's this brokenness between us and God. God, where are you? But what's interesting in all that is when we see when this, the sovereignty of God was broken, we see that Jesus stepped in. Jesus stepped in and became for us what we could not become for ourselves. I say it all the time, but it's beautiful because we get to understand this. Think about what Jesus did when, in, in, the, in the book of Matthew 5, 48, when he says, Be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus became the perfection that we could never be. So he opened up this opportunity for us to receive righteousness. Perfection is righteousness. So we can become right before God. There's a demand we couldn't meet. We couldn't be perfect. But then because of sin, there's also a curse we could not bear, John Mike, we're talking about. And so we get to see that, that Jesus came in and became the curse for us. As we get into Galatians 3, not today, but later on, Lord willing, we're going to see when Jesus became that curse for us, so that we're not under the wrath of God. So now, now we have the opportunity to be in relationship with God, where we can trust God as sovereign. Think about it. You have an opportunity to trust God as sovereign over your life. Because of Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was, was baptized, when he, woke, when he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. If you read scripture before this, it says that heavens opened. Bill Johnson talks about that. And Pastor Bethlehem talks about what, is it, what, what does it mean to walk around with an open heaven? You know we get to walk around with an open heaven. We get to pray and God actually is in connection with our prayer. There's an open heaven around us. And it's all because of Jesus Christ. 
all because of Christ, that He is in total control. And because of Christ coming into our lives, because God so loved the world that He gave Christ, that we now can trust God to be sovereign in the midst of everything. Because the sovereignty was blocked. The world looks at us and says, where's your God? Where's your God? Look, you Christians, you're getting beheaded. Like, you're, nothing happening to you. Look at all the chaos and craziness, even in the world this week, even in America. Where is your God? Where is your God, you bunch of weak-willed, wimpy Christians? Where's your God? The, the sovereignty of God is blinded. We know in Revelation chapter 6, 15, 17, that God is throwing up wrath. He's not just a God who's a God of love, but His love is so good He is going to bring discipline on those He loves, and for those who reject Him, they will face the wrath of God. I was at a funeral this week. Please don't hear me wrong, because you know I'm a little crazy. But the pastor was talking about, he said, look, he said, he said, you know, you have an opportunity to either, to either know Christ and go to heaven, or spend uh, if a life or spend a eternal life separated from God. Now, if I was not a believer, I want you to picture yourself and believers in this room. If you're not a believer, what does eternally separated mean? I would be, I don't care about eternal separation. Like, if I don't believe there's a God, what am I eternally separated from, right? Like, think about it this way if I was dating a girl, or if I've never dated a girl, I don't know what I'm missing. And so what happens is this person, I'm like, brother, why don't you just go ahead and say the H word? Yeah. Yeah, because you know nobody wants to talk about the H word. I mean, you're right now, I'm not saying we come with like, you're going to hell, burn, baby, burn, just go inferno. You know, I'm not saying that. <laughs> that was a pretty good dance, by the way. You can invite me out. I'll come and dance some of y'all's weddings. I'm pretty good at that. But I'm not saying we preach hell like that. I'm just saying that. The truth is that there is hell. And once we preach it with tears, it's not like people with anger. Like if you're preaching out of anger, then you're not coming from a place of love. But we gotta tell people the truth. And Jesus stepped in the gap so we don't even have to face any of that. If you're believing in this room, God is not even remotely one iota angry with you. Like even when you sin. Think about the beauty of Christ when you sin. He doesn't see it. He sees the righteousness of Christ all over us. We still have an open heaven. But John, but my prayers might be hindered. Yes, but that means they're stopped. It's a big difference. You can be running a race and get injured and keep going. Doesn't mean you're stopped. So the Lord is gracious. Us. So because of his great love, we get his grace. And we have an opportunity to respond to his grace. He's like, because of his love, he says, listen, Jesus stood in the gap, became the curse for us, and then you can have an opportunity to say yes. We say, now, will we respond by faith? Will we put our faith and trust in Christ? Or will we reject it? For those who put their faith and trust in Christ, we get mercy, mercy, mercy. And there's this world open to us that we can begin to do things for the Lord. And we don't have to worry about failure because, they're, listen, listen, because God calls us all things to work together for good for those who love and serve, right? Because we get mercy. Listen, if I'm praying to God and I'm saying, God, direct my steps, direct my steps, and I make a wrong turn, is God not big enough to set me right? Yes. God's not going to look at you and say, John, you were an idiot. You're just an idiot. Like I've told you 12 times, go this way and you keep going this way. I told you, do not turn into the wooden corral. You don't need another biscuit. 
I have another recipe, God. Right? And that, and, you know, but God's grace, because I received faith, Jesus became for me what I can't become for myself. So now there's mercy, and with that mercy comes freedom. But here's what happens. We go to churches our whole life, and we never hear the big story enough. So all we hear is little pieces of scripture. And then we sit around as Christians. I don't know if you're like me. This is what I struggle with. I heard all these pieces of scripture, and I couldn't put the puzzle together. So I said, in high school, just jacked up. And I have to listen, no, those people's blood is in my hands. Read Ezekiel. Read about the watchman. So I was a believer. Or so I thought. I didn't, I didn't even do anything. I took people to, towards hell. I didn't take them towards heaven. And so God is asking us today because of Christ that we get this mercy we get this grace. Are we, are we going to live in this freedom that he's given us? Because here's why freedom is so important. Freedom is not important so we get to do what we want. Freedom is important because we get to show Jesus. Because when I'm not worried what other people think about me because of all that matters is that Christ has satisfied me, and all of a sudden there's something totally different in my life. Something has changed. And we get to live in freedom. So I'm tired, I'm tired, tired of sermons that are doing this much and never connected to the big picture of Christ. Listen, if we have received freedom, we have mercy. If I'm jacked up as a husband, it's okay because God is bigger than my jacked up. If I'm jacked up as a parent, God is bigger than that. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I have known this. I've learned this actually from my oldest child, Lauren. I've learned this. That when I try to become a good parent, I was a failure. But when I would try to become a good shepherd, I was a better parent. All I had to do was shepherd my, shepherd my family to Jesus. He'll take care of the rest. Because you see, when they're out, and maybe they're confronted with an opportunity to do things that God didn't want them to do. It's not going to be my voice that haunts their spirit. It will be the Holy Spirit who speaks into them. So we got a shepherd. So the vision at Summit, I want to just tell you something. Vision leaks. What that means is, is that vision leaks is because you can talk vision all day long, but people forget about it. So we're not going to come up here and have these big programs. We're not going to come up big here and have these big speakers. What we want to do is we feel like that God is calling us. And Jimmy Paul we feel like God is calling us to raise up all of us in this room to be shepherds. Because here's what we believe. If we can shepherd our families, if we can shepherd people in our work, if we can shepherd people in the gym, we can shepherd people out there hunting, fishing, whatever we want to do. If we become great shepherds, then God will be seen in them. Just be a great shepherd. Be a great shepherd. How do we get to that point? Galatians chapter 1. It's on Facebook, Summit Church. I just have to start with verse 1. I'm sorry, John. I apologize, Mr. Abercrombie. I love you. But I just got to go back. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man. Come on, somebody. Would you like to be doing something with your life that you don't need somebody else's validation? All you need is Jesus. Um, would you do like that? Listen, I have to tell you something. When I stand in front of the Lord, it's not going to be if my kids tell me I'm a good parent. What's the matter if Jesus tells me I'm a good parent? Because I was telling Robbie this week. When you become free, when you don't need, and Jeremy Pollock talked about this on a Sunday night. That's why I encourage y'all to come. Six o'clock in the WCCO. When you're free to love somebody and you don't care if they love you back, that's when you really get love. If I love my wife and I need her love for me to love her, 
or I need her to respond when I love her, then my love is only creating a debt. I'm creating a debt for her and a debt for myself. But if I love her and I don't care if she loves me back, then guess what? Then I'm free to love her so well. I don't need her response because I'm already doing the response of the one who called me to love her. That's when I'm a better husband. When I don't need, it sounds cold at the front end, you think that's weird, but I want to tell you something. You want to be a great friend? You want to be a great brother or sister? You want to be a good, uh, you want to be a good husband? You want to be a good parent? You want to be a good girlfriend? You want to be good, then, then when you get to the place where you can love somebody but you don't need their love, that's when you are free to love. But could you don't expect anything in return? And that's how Jesus was with us. While we were still sinners, come on somebody, Christ did what? Well, Paul an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who were with me to the churches in Galatia, Ephesus being the main one. You read the book of Ephesians, you can read about Revelation. Somebody else said first love. Verse 3. Grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who, verse 4, this is why I want to read it, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. In other words, God doesn't have to show himself sovereign over the American government for me to live as if he's sovereign over the American government. That's real good. That was great. You don't need you don't, if you're single in this room, you don't need a spouse to tell you that you are somebody if you believe that Jesus is somebody. If Jesus is somebody, then if Jesus says, John, you are doing what I tell you to do, then it doesn't matter what the other voices tell me. Because I've been delivered from anything else this evil age that this evil age wants to throw at us. That's why the only hope for any reconciliation of Black Lives Matter and White Lives Matter and American Lives Matter, I mean, you hear all these All Lives Matter and all this other stuff. Listen, the only hope is the gospel of Jesus Christ being played out amongst the church. If the church will rise, even the dead will be risen. Listen, if sports can bring people together, something that we 
we ever thought or asked or imagined. So today, Lord, I ask that you would open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts, open our steps, do whatever you need to do to be glorified. So, Lord, where sin is big, Jesus is bigger. So I believe that you can crush it. I believe, Lord, that you can take the little God of the same Satan who blinds the hearts and minds of unbelievers and you can awaken the dead. I can't shout loud, uh, loud enough or speak bold enough, but when your spirit just whispers, somebody's getting up. So I pray today that you would do that and that you would be glorified in a mighty way. We praise you and love you. And all the saints said what? Verse 6. Are y'all awake today? We need to start having donuts up front so you can get a sugar high and you can crash about 12, 15. I'll be good. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting Jesus who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. The word of the year is courage. The whole book of Galatians is talking about freedom. So do we have courage to live in freedom? Listen, do you have courage today if you are? If you're single in this room, do you have courage to, to be single? Mm -hmm. If you're in this, you're in this place, I see simple. Yeah. Single. Single. Let me y'all even know that's famous. Share give me a witness on that. And so my point is with the single marriage, do you have the courage to leave that marriage? If you're a single parent, you have the courage to shepherd. If you're in a job where everybody hates Jesus, you have the courage to shepherd. God sent, sent us to places. If you're on a team that nobody cares about you in the locker room next, the guy locker next to you could care less about Jesus Christ. Can give a rip. Oh, he'll talk about God, but his lifestyle downtown says totally opposite. Mm -hmm. Do we have the courage to live? And the freedom when they try to tell us that we're crazy. And when they push back on the lifestyle that we have. I'm astonished that you, verse 6, that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. Here's the, I got two main ideas. Number one, here it is. The main idea because of the gospel, we can live in the grace. When we live in the grace of God, there is no confusion. Because of the gospel, when we live in grace, there is no confusion, none whatsoever. I want you to see this in verse 6. Here's what he says. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. The NIV says, live in the grace of Christ. So if we are living in grace, we are not going to live in a place of confusion. Confusion does not bring freedom. Does it? But see, here it says, in the grace of Christ. It means to live. I like the NIV editors. To live in the grace of Christ. Though the word live is not in Greek, it's in the context, it's in the nuance of it, in the sense that it's, that's what it means, to live in the grace. When most people want the salvation of grace, but they don't want to live in grace. Uh-huh. Because you know what happens when you live in grace? When you live in grace, all of a sudden you begin to do things you would never do before. Forgiveness begins to reign in your life where people, when our lives, where people turn around and say, you should never forgive people for that. And then all of a sudden you're directing your heart because you say, if God can forgive me, why can't I forgive them? See, limiting grace is totally different than being saved by grace. Oh, I know in Ephesians 2, we are saved by grace through faith, not by works. It is the gift of God so that no man can what? Boast. But saved by grace and living in grace is two different things. If you and I want to live in grace, then here's what happens. There's not confusion. The word deserting, I want you, if you've got your phone, I want you to highlight it. And I don't care if you've got to lick it. I don't 
got a Bible, I want you to get a note, get a note, write it down. I want you to spend time with that word deserving. That word deserving, literally in the original language, literally it means this. It means to change. It means to fall away. So Paul is writing to these people that should be living in the grace of God, which gives them freedom. And he's saying, listen, you are being changed. You are falling away. And why are you doing that? Here is what that means. Look at verse 7. Well, let's just go back to verse 6. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting. That is all away. That is to change from him, Jesus, who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the, listen to this, the gospel of Christ. And what he's talking about is a reference to Acts chapter 15, where these Judaizers, what they were is they were people that said, oh, you can be saved, but you can be saved by Jesus. But if you really want to be saved by Jesus, if you really want to move to salvation, you've got to be saved by Jesus and become a Jew. You've got to become like Jewish things. And the biggest thing was circumcision. And so they were adding to the gospel. When people add to the gospel, here's what happens. When we get confused, it's because we add something to grace. Oh, that was free. Like, that's what causes confusion. When we add something to grace. Listen, it's like this. If I get, when I got married, if I add something to my wife other than the expectations of what God says for her to be my wife, when I add to that, confusion reigns. When we bring our expectations other than what Christ says, we add to grace. And God says, don't add to grace. Don't add anything to it. It's not going to be one work that's going to get you any better. Listen, I, I, think, I think it was it was interesting. David Platt and, and uh, Tony Marina said this. We change or fall away from living in the grace of Christ when we work in our own power. Did you know that's adding to grace? When we work in our own power. Listen, if I'm up here preaching in my own power, if I'm preaching in my own power, then I'm adding to grace. And God isn't being glorified. John is being edified. And that better not happen. Because you know in John chapter 3, John the Baptist said, Man, I better decrease so that he may what? Uh-huh. That's right. Because here's what's happening. John can't change anybody, but Jesus can. So working in our own power. You trying to become an athlete in your own power? He said, well, John, Jesus ain't going to power clean for me. No, but what he is, is he's going to say that every time you do, there's somebody going to be glorified. It's either going to be you or it's going to be him. And if it's going to be you, it's your power. You left it to your own. Living in grace means don't work at anything by your own power. Don't have anything. Circumcision means nothing. It is a sign. It is not faith. People can walk around with signs all day long that they got faith and don't get a faith. I'll give you an example right now. Coming to church gatherings. This is, you don't come to church. Let me just say this. You don't come to church. Church is not a building. The church is us. Hmm? The Greek word ecclesia means called at once. Or another word, koinonia, means fellowship. We come to the church building. We come to the place the church meets. So the correct term. So we come here, but here's the sign. People say, well, I got all these signs, right? I, I give money, or I go to a church gathering, right? Right? What they call going to church. 
I, I dress for church. They got all these signs, but a sign of faith is not faith. Only when Jesus lives in here is when there's faith. So we can't add to our own power. We can't bring anything else to the table, he says. And that's what people do. Here's another one. Uh, we change it instead of fall away from living in the grace of Christ when we work according to our own rules. So not only is it about our own power that causes confusion, but when we bring our own rules. Listen, listen, uh, here's America today. Here's the problem with America. The problem with America is there's no vision. And you said that sounds so cliche. The reason why there's no vision, there's a lot of people with vision, but there's not a lot of people with a God vision. The Bible says without vision, people perish. That word perish means cast off restraint. That means judges. Everyone does right in his own eyes, right? A New Testament point, Old Testament picture. I think Peter Lee says that some in his classroom as well. The idea behind that is this, is that everyone does right in his own eyes. So you've got, oh, well, the public will do this, the press will do this, the materials will do this, this person will do this. Everybody's going to do it. Everything's right in their own eyes, but there's nothing that galvanizes us because there's not a true vision outside of Jesus. So what happens when confusion reigns is when we bring rules to marriage. We bring rules to a relationship. We bring rules. We bring rules to our life. I need this degree. I need this degree. I need this degree. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If you want to know what degree you need to get, spend more time with Jesus. You say, well, that sounds stupid. Really? Here's why. Because I want the author of my faith. He's the one who's going to tell me about my faith. Listen, you want to know how to do, know how to do it in my life? I just spend time with Jesus. It's not like it's I can more spend time with Jesus than what he says clear. He says, now one is a lamp to my and a light to my mm-hmm. It's that simple. It's that simple. You see, that's oversimple. No, it's not. I promise you, Jesus is so deep, you can't hit bottom. So, what brings confusion? Living in the grace? Number one, when we work in all power, I'm going to read it in class now. Number two is when we work by all rules. That's what the Jews did. They were like, you got it. You need Jesus and circumcision. That's the problem with Mormonism. They're the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's why it's called Latter. Because it's not just Jesus. It's Jesus and my baptism. It's Jesus and my works. It's Jesus and, it's Jesus and, it's Jesus and. That's the problem with all the other things. It's Jesus and. That's why Jesus can't just be the prophet. He has to be the final prophet. We don't have to look for the 12th of the law when we have the Messiah. That's what I'm trying to say. It's because when you can't add to grace. It's either all or nothing. And we can't make up our rules. So one is we can't do it on our own power. Two, we can't work on our own rules. And three, we can't do anything to earn God's favor. We can't do anything to earn God's favor. That's why I'm telling you, if I were to cuss right now and drop dead of a heart attack, Josh, I tell you this all the time, if I were to drop dead right now and I said the cuss word and I drop dead, I know that I know that I know because the word of God tells me so that I'm going to heaven. Why? Because it's not based on my righteousness or perfection, but all on Jesus. Now, I'm not saying to you that that gives me a license to just go out here and cuss everybody out or do anything I want to do. That's not what it means. It means that God is doing a work in me where I don't cuss. Where God is doing a work in me where I want to do those things, but God is willing me to do something else. I don't want to forgive. I want to hold a grudge. I want to... I want to do something for somebody 
to death for them. But he can't work them on power. Why? Because here's why. It's, again, Jeremy Pollock, give credit to the Holy Spirit and, and the Holy Spirit speaking to him. Here's what happens. When you, let me ask you a question. You don't have to respond. If you live by faith and do nice things for the Lord, do you think God owes you? What do you mean? To all the athletes in the room, I'm going to live for Jesus. He owes me a victory. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'll never get injured. Do you know what Jesus has become to you? A rabbit's foot. Rub your bow. Boom. Holy Spirit pops out three wishes. That's what you turned out into. The genie. Oh, if I just follow God, I'll get the love of my life right now. That's funny. Well, God says, God said he'll supply all my needs. You are exactly right. He also said the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. He said, also said, in this world you will have trouble. Oh, you can be like Paul and tell Timothy, man, when you go follow Jesus, you will suffer. You said, well, then what good is it to follow Jesus? What good is it? Here's the question. Do you want the blessings of God or do you want the blessor? Because you see, if you want the things of God, then we've got a salvation problem. See, I want Jesus. I want his presence. So when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I walk and I don't stop. Because he is with me. So the question is, do you want Jesus so you, you, you're an all-American? Do you want Jesus? Is that really what it is? Is that all? Listen, only you can answer that. Because if you do, you're working to earn God's favor. And I'm going to tell you something. God is not a man that he should lie. He is not. We can't put God in debt. I can't say, God, I led 12 people to the Lord last week for you. Therefore, you owe me. Now, bless me. The Bible says, don't even worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has no trouble home. The Bible says, we're missed for vapor. That we keep going like this. People say, well, I thought I was going to live a healthy life. God said he promised you eternal life. If this life could be so great and compared to heaven, don't you think that God is so, uh, so much of a genius he allows us to live? In fact, God says that heaven's going to be so good, he don't even want this body there. And I'm like, I don't want it either. <laughs> Let's just get real. Do we live by grace that way? The question is, do I want the benefits of God or do I want Jesus Christ? I'm confronted with that every day. I'm confronted with that as a pastor all the time. Because people say, John, I'm following the Lord and, and good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. What's so good about Jesus? Here's my point. The point again is, the question is, or what am I saying? Do I want the blessings or do I want him? Because I'm going to tell you something. If I have him, I am more than a conqueror. Because you know what? Here's what happens. You go ahead and get in a relationship. I got the girl I wanted. And 10 years later, you're like, can I trade her? Or maybe she's saying that about you. Romans 13:8. Oh, no, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. So here's the point. I want you to we got to get to a place. Here it is. Where we love the people. I love you and I don't expect anything to return. Nothing. You Christian cuss me. I shouldn't get mad. 
You flip me off. I shouldn't care. Why? Because if I love you and I don't expect anything from you, it's like Paul said, because the Holy Spirit tells you, then we are free to love. Think how much better of a husband I'm going to be when I don't expect my net to do anything for me. Then I'm loving her from a place of true love, not loving her from a place for how she can respond. That's when you can go to your job and love your boss when they hate you. That's when you can go to your place of friends and your teammates when they're just absolutely jerks and you can love them from a place where you don't expect anything in return and then I'm going to tell you, that's what wears people down. It's not love, love, love that wins the day. It's God's love that wins the day. So many idea number one. Because of the gospel, we live in grace, we have no confusion. Here's the last one. Ready? We've got to roll with it. Because of the gospel, we live in grace, we have This is some good stuff. Look, look at this verse 7. Not that there's another one, another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. The gospel is always trying to be distorted. And I'm going to take you to you know, the greatest distortion picture is people that say they follow Jesus and live like hell. Because you want to know why? Nobody around you reads the Bible. Nobody around you, unless they love Jesus, reads the Bible. But I promise you, they read you who read the Bible. They don't read it. They're not reading scripture. They're looking at us. We are written epistles. Come on, somebody. Paul says we are written epistles. Epistles, there's a difference between an epistle and a letter. A letter is to be read once. An epistle is to be read over, over, and over. And we're being read every day. So there's going to be distortion, but we got, we got to work through that. Here we go. But even, listen to this. Verse 8 and 9, Paul's just bringing the smack down. He says, but even if we, that includes himself, or an angel from heaven, I like it when he's bringing judgment on them, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you. Let him be accursed. Now notice that that's in verse, and, and in verse 8. Look at verse 9. As we've said before, so now I'll say again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be what? He, he said in verse, it's interesting, in verse 9, he repeats what he said in verse 8 twice. He's like saying, they're going to be cursed. Do not preach another gospel. Then verse 10. I love this. We live in the grace. When we live in the grace of the gospel, we have a wonderful call. Verse 10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of who? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a what saints? When we live in what God has called us to do, no longer do I have to please anybody. Come on, except Jesus. That's why the old hymn said, nobody can do me like Jesus. Or maybe you know another hymn that says, just give me Jesus. You want to know why? Because the whole point of this is, I don't have to please man. When I'm living in the calling of God, that's living in grace. When I'm living in grace, there's mercy. When I mess up and I say something wrong, do something wrong, evaluate something wrong, make the wrong decision, I'm living in the mercy of God. When I do something right, it's His mercy anyway. It wasn't me. That's what's coming our way. That's what's happening. When we're called, we're free from the approval of man. Living in grace. I want people in this room, I want us as a church family to live in the grace of God. When I live in 
in the grace of God, then I trust the sovereignty of God. But I'll never trust the sovereignty of God until I'm in a relationship with God. I'll never really believe that God is going to be a God of justice, a God of mercy, a God of what I need Him to be. I'll never believe and know God to be those things unless I receive Him in a relationship. When we are called, we are free from trying to win the approval of men. When we are called, we only have to please the one who calls us. I want you to see something. How do I, so how do I please Jesus then? Well, Hebrews 11, 6 says this. And without faith, it's impossible to what? Can't please him without faith. Because look what it says in the rest of the verse. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And watch this. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You said, but John, if, if I'm following God, then why, then why does my circumstance get worse? Here's a, you ready for a spiritual law? Here's a good spiritual law. If you follow Jesus, the harder circumstance you're in, the bigger your God is. Come on, somebody. Daniel, when the lights in, Shadrach, Meshach, Pedro, somebody's in a fire. The bigger your circumstance, the bigger your God. When you're in a relationship with God, that's why when I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I walked in the mud, as Bobby said, and kicked it in the teeth. That's the difference. That's the difference what it is to walk and live in grace. So today, people talk about, oh, I want freedom, I want freedom, I want freedom. Listen, what they want is to do what they really want to do, not what they want, what God wants them to do. Come on, tell the truth, shake it out. Because there's not any of us in this room that can do what God tells us to do unless the Spirit of God makes uh, wills us to do. For Philippians 2.13, for he's got a more change to will to act when he's in the pleasure. Why will you play with me? Because we're not ready to just move out ready to go in hard. I'm telling you, nobody, you will never, you will never date who God wants you to date without the Spirit of God in your heart wooing you. Have you seen some of the Christian couples? She looks great. He doesn't. That was funny. What do I tell her? What do I tell the college students all the time? What do I tell you? The Holy Spirit makes you what? Did y'all hear that? The Holy Spirit will make you hot. I'm telling you. If you're in a marriage and you think, man, she is not attracted to me, listen, keep eating biscuits, but during your time with biscuits, just spend time with Jesus. It don't matter how many stretch marks you got. She'll look at that and go, wow. That's like a holy stretch mark. <laughs> Try it. Jesus will make you look good. Y'all let me pastor you. Do you know how much of an idiot I am? <laughs> so you're like, yeah, that's not leaving. I'm telling you the truth. The Holy Spirit will change you.
is that we live in grace because we're living with Jesus. He is the goal. He is our best friend. He is our savior. He is our redeemer. He is our hope. He is our deliverer. He is our strong tower. The righteous run into and they are safe. He is our rock. Oh, Hebrews. He's the anchor for our soul. Hebrews chapter 2. He destroyed the fear of death that has held everyone captive. Only Jesus can do it. It's if I want Jesus and not what he brings. A love relationship with Jesus. That's living in grace. People want forgiveness of sins. That's not my goal. My goal is not the forgiveness of sins. My goal is to know the one who forgives my sins. Who is he? This king of glory. As the psalmist would say, who is the king of glory? That's why David was a man after his own heart, because he knew him. Because when we are called, we have changed life. Look at this, and this is where we're going to land. I want to get the, the psalm. Hey, I'm, I'm, let's look at, look at verse 11. Listen, this is the change. This is, I love Paul. I love Paul because he is saying this. Man, I just want Jesus. Listen, this is the most important part, verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel was preached, that was preached by me is not man's gospel. It's not made up. I've seen too many miracles to believe in God today. But I'll tell you, if you're on the fence and you're just stepping in and you're just waiting in the king full of grace, you got to get to the point that you dive in the 15 foot and you don't even know how to swim. So unless Jesus rescues you in his grace, you'll never know. you got to dive in your finances and you don't care. you got to dive in in your relationships and you don't care. You gotta dive in in your work and you don't care. It's gotta be Jesus. For I did not receive it from man or from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism. See, this is what living in grace, living in your calling, living in our calling. It's, there's a change. He says, you've heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently. Acts 7, right? Remember that with Stephen? Stone, the deacon, and laid his clothes at the feet of Paul who gave them the okay to do it. How I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but don't go into what your father did unless God called you to go into what your father did. My father was a lawyer, and back in the early 90s, offered me six figures to start. For two weeks, I went going to the judges' chambers, go to title searches, do all their stuff. I mean, I was with them doing it all. It was not my call. So 
set me apart before I was born and called me by his service. Was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach there's a calling him among the Gentiles. And I did not immediately consult with anyone. And here's that's why we're going to have our time with the Lord. Before you go to anyone, before you go to Robbie, before you go to anyone in this room, Lastly, 
relationship. Oh, they have signs of faith, but they don't have a relationship with faith. And the reason why we, we see evidence of that, Lord, is because there's just not a heart to really know you outside of the times that are signs of you. And only your Holy Spirit can move people to a place where they have to repent. Without repentance, without realizing that they, they right now standing in front of you, they don't have a relationship with you. They have a relationship with, with the actions of people who follow you and not you. They have a relationship with the church, a relationship with service, and not Jesus. I pray they be wrecked. And today they would just break down on their heart, just say, Jesus, I'm sin. I don't know you. And the only way I know to know you is to believe you. Died on the cross for my sins, Jesus. And that God, you are the Father, and that you raised him from the dead. So that I can know you. Not just eternal life, not just forgiveness of sins, not just receive the righteousness of Jesus, but I can know you. The heavens are open to know you. I pray today, Lord, that people would move from death to life. And they would disciples of you. That they tell us and let us know so we can begin to disciple them. That's, that's all I know. Only you can work in their hearts to give them courage. Only you can give people courage to follow. For all the ones, the beautiful saints that are on their knees right now, God, I pray, give them a word for you. In Jesus' name. Just listen to what he's saying. 